Welcome to Loving the Snow Life, the podcast where our snow resort obsessed mums talk everything snow. You'll learn stuff including ski school, is it worth it? How to get the best travel deals, what snow gear to buy, sustainability and much more. Some mums love the Kardashians, our mums love ski documentaries. Between them, they've skied 84 snow resorts and they've dragged us to plenty of them. We're not complaining, we love it. Over to you, mums. So we're here with Josh Fletcher from Protect Our Winters. How are you going, Josh? Uh, considering I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. How are you? Yeah, awesome. You're from Protect Our Winters Australia. What is Protect Our Winters? Yeah, so uh, I'm, the, I'm the lead advocate. So basically, the uh, I guess the the official name is the president, but I'd prefer to say lead advocate because you know we're all in it together. But um, protect our winters basically is a it's about mobilising this this winter sports industry and the winter sports participants community to um to make and take positive action on climate change. Um, so it was formed back in two thousand and seven by Jeremy Jones, the big mountain um, snowboarder, which he sort of, you know, he's been around on the on the circuit and stuff for a long time. But you know, he was travelling around, competing and and working on some projects, and he was starting to see um, the impacts that climate change were having on the you know the winter landscape and winter environment. So he decided through his connections that he would, uh, you know, he'd do something about it. So we we formed Protect Our Winters Australia uh, two years ago now. Um, a bunch of us, you know got together and thought you know we between us we've got a, a pretty good uh network that we can form here so we yeah we officially launched back in is it now 2018 um so we've been rocking along for, for two winters now which has been awesome yeah yeah it is so so it's great they do like obviously jeremy jones is super connected with the world you just have to look on the website and the advocates that they have in the um in the in the athletes world is amazing. Oh, gosh. Um, so how did you find yourself getting involved with power? Did you meet Jeremy Jones or did you like? Yeah. So I'm, I'm really lucky that um, my wife and I can, we, you know, we have a, an alter ego life. So we actually live in the mountains over winter and then we, we come back home up here in Southeast Queensland for summer. And um, through working on some projects with Tony Harrington, the, um, the famous photographer, photographer. Who, yeah. he's been the, uh, the lead, um, stills photographer for Teton Gravity Research for a long time now for both snow and surf. Um, he got to know Jeremy because TGR is actually owned by Jeremy's brothers, um, Todd and Steve Jones. So through working with Jeremy, um, working on projects with him, you know, Jeremy was obviously in Harrow's ear saying, you know, we really need to get this happening over in Australia. And then when Jeremy came out uh, in 2017 with his family, he actually, you know, saw just through him being out here on a personal holiday. It wasn't even a work holiday, but he saw that so many people were interested in what he was doing with both backcountry snowboarding, but also with Protect Our Winters. So he was pretty stoked and he, you know, he went to Threadbow and, you know, we can get into later how Threadbow came along, but he, he, he went home really stoked. And I think, you know, as soon as he landed back in California, he was on, on Skype to Harrow and said, we've got to make this happen. So through me working with Harrow and a few other people that are involved in the, in the organisation, we, we sort of got it rocking. Um, I've had experience working with other 
community and environmental groups. So mm-hmm. I, um, I sort of took the lead. Um, I also have my own business. Uh, I'm a sales and, and brand managing agency. So um, running Protect Our Winters sort of fit into the, the model of what I do pretty well anyway. So it was a, it was a good match. What, is, what does being an advocate mean to you? Uh, I think the big thing for me, snow, the snow industry and just being in the mountains community in general has given me so much and, and has built me personally so much um, that I felt, you know, that I needed to give back because, you know, the Australian ski industry especially hangs on such a, a fine thread of, you know, natural snowfall and, you know, you get some, you know, some unfavourable weather events and all of a sudden the season's, you know, it turns into a shocker. So for mm-hmm. us, it's it's such a it's such a fine thing, you know, and, and the industries that evolve around it, whether it's a retail industry or whether it's just local communities, you know, in the down in the alpine towns like Mansfield and Bright, things like that. Um, so much rides on it, you know, and I thought, you know what, I'm really lucky to be in this position. So, you know, I need to, you know, take advantage of it and actually, uh, you know, give back a little bit. So. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's a great concept. I love. We're we're excited to be talking to you. It's um, we need to get it out there more to the Australian public, really, don't we? To all the surfers and the. It, it is a concept that brings in surfing as well, doesn't it? So, which is great. Yeah, yeah, and I guess this is part of the uh, the strategic planning of power internationally. Is um, you know, when they formed, it was protect our winters, which is pretty obvious. It's very winter orientated. Yeah, but they found that a lot of other outdoor industries were were sort of riding on how good a season was, or revolved around you know off the back of a winter industry. So we sort of shifted the name to power so that it became a bit more four season. Yeah. Um, and now if you run through, like you said, there's a huge list of um, power athletes and ambassadors. If you run through the list, there a lot of them aren't skiers or snowboarders. So probably a real big high-profile one that was in Australia at the end of last year is Tommy Caldwell, who was um, who shot the Dawn Wall, which is a climbing movie. So mm-hmm. he's actually come on as a power ambassador in the US um, because you know the winters and then how the summers are opened up in national parks all revolve around each other. So um, yeah, he sort of tied it together, and trail running's becoming a huge one for con- conservation. So you know they've got trail runners on now. So it's a really diverse group of athletes. Um, rather than just sort of sticking to that winter sort of, you know, winter industry. Yeah, yeah, it's mm. great. Yeah. Yeah, that's really – Look, I was looking at the website yesterday and I was really blown away with the contribution that the – well, outdoor brands are making and really on the forefront of, of change and that's fantastic. And it seems like power is recognised in 11 countries. Um I mean, a, amazing fusion of athletes, scientists, creatives and brands. Just incredible what everybody can do when they come together, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I guess everyone sort of has their own lever, we like to call it, or their own individual way that they can make a change or, you know, or get the conversation happening, which is the key thing we push for. So from a branding point of view, you know, if you're a brand, a lot of brands are going towards, you know, sustainable source products and having, you know, that trail transparency so consumers can see, you know, where their products are made and how they're made and things like that. So that sort of naturally ties into what's happening with Power, power anyway. Yeah, Power um, Gourmet are I, taking the lead on that, sorry. 
Yeah, yeah, Patagonia for sure. Like, you know, there's books that Ivan, uh, Ivan Chowner, the owner, has written, which pretty much have set the standard for anyone that's, you know, opening a brand or starting a brand. Um, but it's really good because they've got the conversation started and now there's a lot of other brands following suit. So, you know, we've got some amazing brands in Australia that are doing some really good stuff. So, um, yeah, so there's that side of it. I guess the athlete side of it, and it kind of ties back to me a little bit, is, you know, they've got the platform there, whether it's on a social media level, whether it's, you know, podiuming him uh, at events or whether it's been in movies, you know, they've got this huge audience that they can start that conversation with. Um, so, yeah, I think the big one for athletes, you know, they can use that lever of just having exposure and it gets the conversation conversation going. Um, and that's really been the big thing we're focusing on, you know, and we're only two years, three, three seasons old now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But um, the big one we aim for was just to get people talking about it. You know, if you travel into the US you def- or Canada, you definitely have seen the Power logo um, around the place. But yeah. just to show people that that logo is now in Australia, um, there's an Australian chapter forming around it so that, you know, people can get behind it and then, you know, expect to see things happening that are Australia relevant in the future. That's really good because I was in – I have a, um, a snow tour company that I take Australians to Canada and mm-hmm. – we're based in Sun Peaks and then there wasn't much in Sun Peaks, but then we headed into your revies and your kicking horse and your white water. And it was really yep. everyone on their helmets had pow. And I was like, yep. what is this? What's this sticker? What's going on? You know, a bit of research. And then I found out that we had the Australian chapter as well, which is really exciting because we definitely need it, but it's certainly embedded in the Canadian culture over there, especially in the smaller, n- not so touristy towns, I would say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Good to see. Well- and No, that's right. I was just going to jump in and say I notice in our research, um, Josh, we're doing we're doing season two, obviously positive change and positive movement, and we're researching all the brands that are really having a positive impact, and it's really heartening and amazing to see. I'm glad things slowly come to Australia because it's amazing. Like Tanil was saying, it's really embedded in the culture and it's also amazing to see how far ahead the Europeans are with stuff like this as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Europe's, Europe's a huge one and I guess the plus that Europe has is everyone's so close together so they can work really in a really tight crew to make things yeah. happen. Um, I guess on a global scale, um, it is a little bit different you know, per country because of just the way that governments run. Um, some governments, you know, are really behind renewables, some are not. Um, putting a price on carbon, some are not. So it's all very, you know, needs to be very flexible and customizable depending on your, you know, on your country. Yeah. Um, but saying that, the general sort of story of it um, and the feeling of it and the way that, it, you know, it's moving ahead is, is a global movement for sure. You know, and that branding being identifiable, whether you're in Canada, Japan, you know, over in France or New Zealand or Australia, um, you, you know, you get that brand recognition and you can sort of see that, you know, and you sort of know what it is, I guess. So so going back to the Australian government, do you, do you get to work with, I mean, like the CSIRO it does a lot of modelling on the ski seasons for their um, environmental plans. Mm-hmm. Do you get to work with the, them a lot or do they know about POW yet or it, it's exciting times to get to know uh, it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely exciting. You know, there's some amazing stuff coming out of the Alpine and I think I try to try to see everything, the positive side to everything. And even though this last summer in the Alpine was yeah. um, was just insane. 
it's there are some you know there's a lot of research going into what's happened in the mountains now especially through Kosciuszko National Park so you know if it means that there's people up there looking around putting more of a focus on it you know and then that's going to have you know side effects of you know how climate change may have affected what happened this summer you know then that's obviously going to be beneficial and and really good homegrown data because that's what we build our you know our cases on and our and our I guess our movement on not just yeah. hunches but but solid data so if we've got that and it's homegrown and it's it's relevant and recent it's going to be you know it's going to make what we're doing I guess even easier um It'd be amazing if they, because we lost Selwyn obviously this year. Yeah, yeah. It'd be amazing if they just rebuilt that whole resort, like environmentally sustainable, wouldn't it? But and just oh, it would of, it would for sure. Yeah, oh. so many. That's yeah. the amazing thing about European resorts. There are so many that have been completely sustainable for fifty years or more. Carlos and all sorts of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a really tough one from a resort, you know, I've, I feel for them. I've worked in mountain operations, you know, before, so I understand, you know, how, how the resorts run. A lot of them are constantly upgrading infrastructure, especially lifted infrastructure. Um, and I'm sure they all would love to just go, all right, we're going to replace all 64 chairs or whatever it is and, you know, make them all solar powered or running on, you know, renewable energy or something, but it's, it's not feasible. Um, not for a 12 week so, season. <laughs> nah. So, but saying that, you know, when, when chairs are getting updated, um, you know, they're putting in chairs that are far more efficient than, you know, the diesel powered one that, you know, that it superseded that sort of stuff. So, um, and then if you look at a place like Threadbow, you know, they're, they're pushing ahead really heavily with what they're doing. And like last year was a really good story out of there with them changing over to red energy, which is a, you know, can supply their power off the back of a renewable source. So moving over to that was an amazing one and to show that, you know, all the lifted infrastructure and then all the mountain operations power that's getting used could be coming from renewables. So that was amazing. Wow, um, I did not know that. And that, that actually came off the back of Jeremy. So he his local resort is Squaw um, over in the States and he he was at them saying, you know what, we need to, you know, we need to source our power better. And they actually went to their power supplier or provider, sorry, and said, you know what, we want to we want to change. We want to we want you guys to change the way you generate your power. Um, and they didn't. So Squaw moved and went to another power supplier that could actually generate better power for them. So, that is huge. You know, so these resorts, you know, even though they've got a lot of, and even more so now with a bad a bad summer, yeah. you know, they've got a lot of a lot of costs they need to keep up and to keep moving forward. But they also have a, you know, they swing some big weight, you know. So if they want to make things happen. Um, you know, they've definitely got some power to, power to do that. Redbow um, seems quite forward-thinking in that way that they're getting on board with different forward ideas, which is awesome. What about Perisher? Can they can they do much seeing they're a Vale company? Uh, it's actually an interesting one. Vale, Vale do their own sort of internal protect our winters, if you want to call it that. So they have their own, you know, their own targets and renewable targets and things like that. Um, which I guess is a bit of a bummer for us because we'd love to be working with Perisher. It's such a big resort. We'd love to be, and now Hotham and Falls actually, we'd love yeah. to be working with them and partnering with them for power. But at the end of the day, we're all aiming at the same target, you know, and if, if they're getting there, getting to that target in their own way and we're getting to the target, you know, working with the other resorts, then you know what, we're still there, so... Yeah, the key messaging yeah. is there. But yeah, Vale Vale definitely have some some really good initiatives coming forward, and and their plans for sustainability are pr- are pretty solid. So yeah, they definitely will be. 
I mean, speaking of key messaging, I mean, how do you get out to the wider audience? I mean, do you, is it, what is your community-based activism and what's your education, you know, youth education? Do you have anything like that going on? Yeah, so that's sort of the stuff that, you know, I guess in our, our plan after setting up the chapter was to move into that for this season. So, you know, the first two seasons we had were just to get people comfy and, and recognising that power was in Australia. Um, yeah. We did that through a few events. We had some movies. We had some athletes out here that, that really helped push that along. Got some some really good media coverage out of it. Um, but for this winter, you know, that was where we really wanted to start to kick some campaigns in. Now, the stuff that we had maybe won't be relevant now because of the way that, you know, the current landscape is. So we're sort of working on changing that. Um, but coming back to what I said earlier about finding your lever, I guess, the big one is, you know, people that want to get involved is just to find a way that they can make some change. So, you know, they could be the leader of a brand that can make some sustainable sourcing changes. They could just be an employee that can put some pressure on their boss to make some change. Um, even as smaller things is like if we're lucky enough to get up to the mountains in spring, you know, rather than driving up yourself, filling your car up and, you know, carpooling to get there. Yeah. You know, turning the heater down, real simple things that if everyone does will have huge impact. Um, but yeah, we're, we're sort of rejigging that campaign thing to this winter because obviously the way things are, it's sort of changed a, a little bit, but, um, we've also <laughs> just launched out yeah, a lot. <laughs> we've also just, also just launched our own website. So we have the, uh, the climate activist roadmap. So it's sort of a step-by-step -step of how people can get involved and make some change. So we're developing that to be on an Australian level so that it's more relevant to what's happening with our, you know action landscape here and then more relevant so that people here can you know make things on the ground happen i guess so yeah are, yeah. are we different to kind of because you know a lot of the world is not in a national their ski resorts aren't national parks so <laughs> i would imagine that you've got uh, a yeah a little bit and i think victoria and new south wales vary as well because victoria um i guess the land itself is governed by um resort management boards which are part of the state government Okay. Um, yeah. Whereas New South Wales is run by parks. So they're a little bit different. Um, but it also means that we can work with resort management boards um, to make things happen. And we've, we, you know, we've had some really positive talks with, uh, and Falls Creek actually came on as a, as an, from a resort management board point of view as a partner at the start. Um, and they're sort of making some changes with what they do. I guess, you know, for people that don't know resort management boards, it's probably the easiest way to explain it. It's like the council. So they sort of look after the, the running of the resort and the nuts and bolts. And then there's the lift companies that look after all the stuff you do on the snow. So yeah. um, we've definitely got potential there with resort management boards in Victoria. Um, and I think now, you know, there's more and more of a spotlight being put on what's happening in the Alps. So whether it's winter or summer, you know, so there'll be some focus from state government so we can work with, you know, we are looking forward to working with resort management boards with that. Yeah. Um, but then saying that if you jump over the border to New South Wales, someone like Threadbow, they're sort of like, they look after the whole thing. So, you know, we can work with those guys and they sort of deal straight with, with New South Wales Park. So, you know, it's a little bit different, but um, yeah, it's positive for sure for what yeah. we can do moving forward. Um, what, about, what about the Australian Ski Area Associations? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So we've, we've worked a little bit and, 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 been in talks with the SIA, which is the Ski Industry of Australia, which sort of looks after the retail side of the industry. 
Um, and they're super supportive because a lot of the people involved in uh, in the SIA work for brands that are involved with power internationally. So they can sort of, you know, flip it over to be a domestic version. Um, but, yeah, talking with, you know, ARCC and stuff like that definitely will be, you know, moving forward. But I guess because of our small, you know, we're sort of just getting going. We really want to get this groundswell of, you know, grassroots movement moving first. Yeah. Um because then, you know, if you, if you go, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then if you go to a, you know, if you really want to make stuff happen, you can, you know, you can do a bit of a call to action and you've got a bit of an army, you know, ready mm-hmm. to go. So it's definitely moving forward is something that we want to be part of the conversation with, you know, with those big industry groups. Um, but yeah, on, on the plan for us so far. I guess it's, you know, we're still in that growth stage because we're only pretty fresh. So Yeah, yeah. It yeah. seems like um, Zali Siegel is fighting the fight too, hey, with her climate. Oh, she's amazing. Now. Yeah. 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 Which is- yeah, I guess from on a personal point of view, the, the last federal election was a bit devastating Yeah. Um, because I, I, I look after all the back end of setting up Protect Our Winters and the current government, it's really tricky. As soon as you say you're a charity, that advocates for climate action, you know, red lights go off in, in the government's offices. So it makes things hard. So it was a bit sad to see the, the last federal election, but saying that, you know, people like Zali have, and, you know, she's just come out with this new climate plan. So it's amazing. So, yeah, she's awesome. She's and I mean, that's a really simple way people can get on board, isn't it? Because she's got, what, she up to 73,000 yeah. campaign, which is the hashtag climate act now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and the amazing part of what Zali's done is the plan that she's put out, even though it's quite a long document, it's really simple to understand, you know, so anyone can, you know, have a read through it and be like, oh, yes. And she's given, she's given ways for a transition, but then also with an outcome where, you know, a lot of the time, you know, that transition's put on the table, but getting to that target is, you know, not always there. So she's, you know, everything's, box has been ticked at the end and you know there's an outcome that's easily reached and everyone can read it so yeah i totally encourage anyone that you know we've got plenty of time at the moment to to sit back and read so um i'd definitely encourage people to check it out um super positive and it can really yeah lift you up a little bit it's good what else do you think people could do when they've got this time at home Good question. <laughs> instead of cleaning the house yeah. uh, <laughs> After you wax the skis for the fifth time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Videos. Make sure your gear all fits. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, my gear is definitely not going to fit after this. Got myself <laughs> going to the fridge. What, what are they calling yeah. it? COVID 15, not COVID 19. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so- it's a good question, actually. Um, it's, it's really tricky. I find. And, you know, social media and I guess I guess COVID's been a really good example of how you can source your information on things, you know, and it's really hard to know what's trusted and what isn't. Um, you know, you can definitely read things about climate change that, are, that will definitely be against or not in support of, you know, human, um, human-induced climate change. Um, you know, it sort of blows it off a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I, I guess mm-hmm. I just encourage people to do to, to, look into it and try and find some reliable sources you know i find the bureau of meteorology is a pretty good start for australia especially if you really want to look back on you know annual snowfalls you know temperatures and things like that in the alps and you know there's no denying the data that they've been collecting for the last sort of 100 years 
So that's a really good way to make your own mind up of whether, you know, it is affecting what's happening in the mountains or if it's not because the data is there and it's not really um, an opinion piece. It's just hard data. So that's mm-hmm. a really good way. But, yeah, just be really conscious of what you're reading and where you're reading it, I guess, because there's so many hidden agendas now, whether it is COVID or whether it's climate action and climate change, it's really hard. Um, yeah, so read science to fix yeah. Yeah, so, try to. It's really tricky. It is. And the more you get buried into it, the more you can, you know, you can get lost down those those sort of holes of the fours and against. So Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Yeah. That's you I can, guess why your movement is so powerful because it is giving the real, you know, the the information in real time to people that don't have, you know, potentially that time in the future to know what's oh, for sure. really happening. Yeah, it's a great time to get educated for sure. Yeah. You know. It can and even, go big too, can't it? I mean, you know, if you go down to the snow or you're looking at what's happening in Europe with their, you know, ski ski seasons and things like that, you can feel a bit hopeless, like what can I do? But like you say, like if you find your own lever, what can you do? What yeah. brand can you support? What Exactly. What, next yep. time you buy a jacket, what jacket can you buy that's for sure. from us? Yep. You know, yeah, for sure. You know, the products the products you're riding and you're wearing are definitely a really good start. You know, making sure that what you're purchasing is going to last. You know, it's it's got a pretty good, as as, as good a possible trail when it was made, both environmentally and socially. Um, you know, so, yeah, products is an awesome one. As I said earlier, you know, if you are going to get down to the mountains, you know, try and carpool. You know, the heaters are a big one in ski resorts. Be conscious of your water. All of that sort of stuff. It might seem small and, and simple. Um, but you know, if everyone does it, it's going to make a huge impact. Um, and even to a point of, you know, supporting the resorts of making the effort, you know? Yeah, no, it's true. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I feel like 2019 was really the year where people got on board with the whole, if they weren't already saying no to a plastic straw, or if they weren't already using reusable cups and mugs and things, they certainly were by 2019 uh you know that's just where the kind of social pressure got to and so it's completely possible that we get to the point where you know cars going to the snow off our field you know there's an extra spot you you can there's lots of websites where you can or facebook pages where you can jump on board and fill your spot in the car and things like that so yeah it's exciting times yeah, yeah, and like, you know, we had Chris Davenport out here who's a, a board member of Power International. He's also an ambassador for Aspen. Um, and one of the big things they've done over there is made carpool car parks. So, you know, if you bring a full car, you either get, you know, reduced or free entry into the resort, but you also get front row parking, you know. So there's really good incentives. Um, and, again, I know coming from a mountain operations point of view, let's say Mount Buller, transport is a huge issue. Um, so, you know, if we can work towards resolving a problem that's going to make it easy just for everyone in general to get up and down off the mountain but it's also going to tick the box of you know reduce re- reducing the emissions that we're producing from you know having all these cars and buses and stuff whizzing up and down the mountain and it's going to be huge you know it's a win for everybody so um and I, I guess it, sorry no you're right go for it i was gonna say transport's a massive issue for all australian ski resorts really because you've got your two yeah. like you know, you've got your major towns down the bottom of the hills and you've got to try and everyone gets up there. And it's a it's a crawl from 6 yeah. to, you're not on the road at 6 o'clock in the morning. You're not getting a car yeah, for sure. close. 
So yeah. I, I really, that is such a easy, well, nothing's easy really, but um, a smart initiative, carpooling, that could fix so much so fast in our, certainly in our New South Wales ski resorts. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and Victoria, you know, the three majors in Victoria all have the same, the same problem as well. But, um, I, you know, with, with POW internationally, we sort of have four points that we really want to try and make, take some action on. Um, and one of those is public transport. You know, the other three, you know, are, are putting a price on carbon, which is obviously a really tricky one in Australia, yeah. um, transition to renewables and then protection of public lands. But um, for us, the transport one, like I said, is going to, you know, it's going to tick boxes logistically and an overall guest experience level for resorts. Yeah. But it's also going to reduce how much, you know, impact we're having emissions-wise. But then also road runoff's a huge one because, you know, most of the resorts have a, have a you know, tributary at the bottom that feeds into a bigger water system, you know. So if we're reducing the amount of, you know, of diesel and stuff that's going onto the road that's then running off into the rivers is going to be huge. So... You know, that's definitely something that we're working towards and we've had some really positive talks with like the resort management boards about trying to work on some, some action plans for that. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, transport may not be an issue this winter because there might not be anyone heading up there, unfortunately. Well, it's going to be so sad. That's going to break my absolute heart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just to see it burn down over summer and have probably massive snow now and no one could do it. Oh. I hope not. I hope yeah, not. and I, I've I worked pretty close with a bunch of you know business owners and and resorts and stuff, and just to so I caught up with a bunch in January, and just to hear how devastating the summer was off the back of a not great winter last yeah. year, and then moving into summer period, which is becoming a really big industry for the mountains. So whether it's hiking or festivals or biking, it's huge, um, and it's growing. And then to, you know, come off the back of a summer that really didn't generate much of a, of a tourism or, you know, of an income of any form into the local economies and now have this is just devastating, you know. It but, is. It is. Hopefully they get some government assistance like everyone else right now. We'd hope yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the biggest assistance we can give them is trying to buy from them, I guess. And even if we're not there, you know, if we're buying gear and we want to try and support them that way, we can. You know, booking a trip in spring or next summer once yeah, this sort of passes spring. over. Yeah. 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 So, so how prepared is Australia for diminishing winters? Are we, are we like, I know snowmaking is getting more and more in all resorts. Um, are we, what else are we doing to prepare our winters that are getting shorter? I don't know. They're just changing. They seem to be changing. They seem to be getting later. I'm not sure, but who knows? I'm not. I don't know. Yeah. I've been a skier for, you know, 30 years, so you can see, you can definitely see the change. But yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a toughie. I find I've found Mount Buller's always, you know, it's been our home for the last sort of, I guess, ten years. So it's been we're always pretty susceptible to, you know, to weather systems. We either get them really, really nice, you know, and we get the bulk of the precipitation that rolls across the Alps, or you know, we we get it a little warm and then we get rain, whereas you know, falls off them and then New South Wales might sort of cool a bit and it ends up being snow. So we've always been a little bit susceptible to hitting and missing with systems in. Yeah, in Buller. But I, I feel like the last year especially, you know, it was really up and down, you know. Mm-hmm. We had some amazing power days that all of a sudden turned really wet and warm, you know, whereas a few years ago maybe that wouldn't have happened. I'm not sure. It's a really hard one. And, I'm, you know, I like to talk to to people that have been up there a long time yeah. um, and, you know, get their feeling about whether the, whether they have noticed it changing or not. Um, it's, a, yeah. it's a really tough one. Um, but, yeah, like... 
we did 10 years in the 90s in back-to-back winters and it's definitely, definitely changing my husband and I. So we used to be at Charlotte Pass in Perisher and it's like, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know, but that that horrific windstorm that came through this year, that all the dust that came through the snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got that back in 90. I don't know, 90, 95 as well, I think. I can remember skiing on red dust going, what? Yeah. What is this? <laughs> and it oh, also this, happened this year. It was, I was like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, there's a, we've got a really good photo of um, Jen Milton touring out of the main range in that dust storm and it looks like she's skiing. Um, you know, it looks like she's skiing in the desert. It's crazy. It would be amazing. You know, it's on our, on our Instagram. It's worth checking out if people didn't see it. It sort of went around on a few channels, but, um, yeah, check it out. It's a pretty surreal thing. It looks like it should be out of the desert somewhere. Mm. But, um, well, it sounds like so far while people have got plenty of time during the COVID-15 in between going to the fridge, <laughs> they can, what can they do? They can, you know, jump on social media, follow all the Instagrams for Protect Our Winter Australia and globally and, yeah, definitely. Find yep. a, you know, Climate Act Now petition and just like you say educate themselves look at stuff yeah look at stuff online for what's been going on yeah definitely yeah becoming the education part's a huge one so just trying to you know find some um some reliable source so that you then can make your own mind up you know we want people to make their own mind up we don't want to tell them you know how it is so by you know having good honest hard data you know that leaves it open rather than you know someone being manipulated or, or persuaded from the start so trying to make your decision on it um you know of good solid data will be a, would be my recommendation you know and then if you're interested in getting involved then yeah definitely you know contacting us on facebook or instagram um or checking out our website which is protectourwinters.org.au um, and, you know, as winter starts to get close, and as I said, we'll, we need to adapt some campaigning stuff that we had planned. But as winter gets a bit closer, we'll start to update that so, you know, people can, you know, see if there's anything happening. Um, and also don't get too caught up in what's happening. You know, I've actually spent a lot of time watching some old ski videos and, you know, there's some really good stuff going around that's really inspiring. And, you know, we might not be skiing, you know, at the first half of the winter, but hopefully, you know, we have a really good, lead up and things ease off and we can all get up there for some spring skiing and we'll all be pumped on it. So And also take heart from the fact that what's happening in a positive way environmentally at the moment where we're all staying inside and the environment's coming back and the air's clearing up and just realising that we're actually, if, if everybody works together, we can achieve common goals. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's been a, I'm sure you guys have seen it, there's a really good story going around of, um, of the sort of landscape being visible or the Himalayas being visible yeah. from India. Yeah, um, amazing. And they're saying it hasn't been, you know, have, you haven't been able to see it, the Himalayas for 30 years. So, you know, I'm 35. So there's people, you know, my generation, potentially two generations now that haven't, that have grown up in a region that have never seen the mountains from where they live, you know. So, yeah, you can get caught up in all this negative sort of stuff. But if you look at that as a positive, you know, that, by slowing things down, we can actually make some change. Um, you know, it kind of lifts you a little bit. And, uh, yeah, go check out the picture. It's amazing. You know, yeah. if you're feeling down, just check that photo out and you'll be like, yes, this is wicked. We can do something. And I think yeah. even just when people do feel overwhelmed, they're just thinking of, like you say, like just what's your lever? What's one thing? Can you go next time you go to the snow, take your travel mug? 
You just not, yeah, definitely. Yeah, not have, you know, they have the lids and the straws. Can you definitely go onto a Facebook page and find a fill a fill the your seat in your car with one extra person or whatever? Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, and so the other thing is just having a chat to people. Yeah, you know, there's plenty of time now. Everyone's on Zooms and messages and all these group sort of chat things. Just you know, have a chat about it. Be like, do you actually think, you know, like we've just done, you know, talk to your mates about have you seen any changes happening? What do you reckon on this? Throw some ideas around and just start to talk about it because, you know, if people start to have it in their mind, start to, you know, get the conversation started, then that's going to be a huge one because it becomes, you know, becomes part of the, you know, the norm and the talk. Everyone's language, yeah, within the industry. Yeah, because it yep. it's a small industry that's growing bigger. Everyone wants to get a part of the skiing, snowboarding pie, don't they now? They're, it's like just by looking at the amount of traffic that comes up to the mountains every year. So oh, it's crazy, we, yeah. We make everyone more aware of, you know, what these, how precious these mountains are <laughs> and how long yeah. they've been standing there and we want to protect them. It's a better story to tell everyone and I think it's a good story to tell. Um, For sure. We, we we end up um, our interviews, Josh, on um, kind of asking, you know, do you have any, well, this one's different. Do you have any Jeremy Jones boards? <laughs> do you scan his boards or you don't, you don't have to if you're in the movement? Do I myself? Yeah, yeah. Cause he's I, definitely I definitely have. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have. Yeah, I've definitely ridden some of the some of the Jones boards. I, yeah. can, I, can, I can just see now the, the rep for Jones. I know, I know well and I can see the the rep for the brand that I've ridden for the last 20 years laughing when they hear this but um yeah I've definitely I've definitely ridden I've definitely ridden some of the Jones boards I really commend Jeremy on you know and and the brand of what they've done regarding the way they build their boards you know they're almost a little bit of a Patagonia in showing that you could make a board that's got a, a hugely reduced impact on the way it's made yeah but um but yeah I've got a I've got a got a bit of a, a love and a connection to another brand that I'm, I'm happy with and I'll keep riding so perfect yeah. <laughs> so what is your, and what is your favorite place to snowboard in the Australia first and then the world obviously Bulla but we'll just have to ask <laughs> oh, wow I've never been to Bulla so I've never been I've never skied Victorian ski resorts which is bizarre Me neither we it was the goal this it was we were gonna hit the Victorian snow resort <laughs> you oh, never man. know <laughs> Bull is a funny one. Bull is a funny one. We're really close to Melbourne, so we get a bunch of crew that are really just want to see the snow and experience the snow for the first time, which I love to see. You know, it's it's awesome seeing people stoked on the snow. Yeah. Um, it also, on the other hand, if we get the right snow or the right systems, we get some amazing free riding. So I won't go into that too much because I don't want to blow the secret. But um, <laughs> please do. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I really love I really love going to Mount Sterling though. We have a little resort next to Buller. Looks like a little Christmas pudding kind of thing that sits opposite. It looks pretty um pretty boring when you look at it from Buller, but it's got some amazing terrain and it doesn't have any chairlifts. So, you know, on the busy days I, I go over on the split board and just sort of hang out and ride a bit and look back at Buller at the craziness of Mount Buller and just sort of have a <laughs> breath and I really like going over there. It's a bit of a bit of peace and quiet. Um Nice. But I also love Japan. I spent, you know, three seasons over there working in Hakaba, instructing and guiding. So it was um it was amazing and it really got me into the big mountain stuff. So yeah, Hakaba definitely has a you know, it's definitely changed a lot since we were there like twelve years ago. 
But yeah. um, it's definitely got a soft spot for sure. Like Japan's amazing. So it yeah. is true. It is true. I didn't ski. Uh, Emma skied there this year, but I didn't. But yeah, it was. It was yeah. Well, they, you know, from reports, they had a pretty, a pretty hard season. You know, I know some some people that operate businesses there, and it was it was a tough one. They had some really up and down snow, and you know, look back twelve years to when my wife and I first went there. Uh, and it was very different to the snow that and the season that they had this year. So, you know, is that the change that's happening? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, something's happening globally. So, mm. yeah. So. Well, thanks so much for coming and speaking to us on our Pleasure. Loving the Snow Life podcast. So we all love Thank the you. Snow Life so much. We do. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tanil. If you've learned a handy tip or two, then happy days. To catch all our episodes, subscribe on iTunes. It's free. Head over to www.lovingthesnowlife.com.au for more info and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Loving the Snow Life. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, then email us on our website. Thanks to everyone who leaves a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to share our episodes on your social media.